0: If you have a Bible, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you walked in here and do not have a Bible, there's some Bibles outside at the connection table that is our gift to you. But that's where we're going to be in the New Testament today, and we are continuing our series of pop solutions. And what we're looking at is how sometimes our world, our life can substitute what God says and we substitute it for what we say, maybe for what's more comfortable, or maybe what we're more familiar with. But we'll realize that sometimes when we're talking, actually God said something differently. And how, how did those two work? And so what we're going to be looking through is today uh, the difference between position and purpose. Can you say that with me? Position and purpose. And the way we're going to define those is position is, you know, your title, your goal, what you're trying to work out of. And then the purpose. What do you do with that title? Can those two go together? Um, How does that work, especially with the good news, with the gospel of Jesus Christ? This is his purpose. And so how does that come to be? How do we use uh, position and purpose? And basically my catchphrase or my one-liner for this is, your position needs a better purpose. Okay, that's what we're gonna talk about today. Shots fired, you're welcome. Your position needs a better purpose. I learned this the hard way in high school, um, as the first service uh, told me that because uh, I, I went to high school in the U.S. and we had guidance counselors. And during our grade 12 year, uh, our guidance counselor would come to us and ask us to, you know, fill out a form so that they get to see kind of what we're good at, what we're interested in, like what's going to be the trajectory of our life based on this quiz right? Do, do you guys have that as well? Yeah, cool. So you take that quiz. Um, and so on there, she, she saw what I wrote for my life ambition. And she pulled me into her office and said, Matt, thanks for taking the quiz. Six months before you graduate, just got to ask you, it says here you would want to be an artist. And if that doesn't work out, you want to work at Blockbuster, Blockbuster Video. <laughs> I said, yeah. That's me, Matt Johnson. That's what I want to do. <laughs> and she said, well, that's great, but, um, you know, I, I think that there's actually more for your life than just working at Blockbuster. Like, that, that's a summer job, maybe. Like, uh, you know, and, but for me, it's like, no, that's actually what I want to do. And she said this to me. It was interesting. Uh, in a high school, secular high school, public high school, she said, Matt, I don't know if you're religious at all, but the way I see you interact with people, have you ever thought about being like a pastor or a priest? I'm like, are you allowed to say that? Like, you work for a high school. My dad's telling me to do that, so I don't need you telling me to do that. I need you to support my dream of working at Blockbuster. This is what I need you to do. Now, here's the goal for Blockbuster, not knocking it at all. Actually, still in many ways, I would love to do this job uh, more than I'd care to admit, which I'm admitting to you right now. I would love to do this job. I mean, you get to go there watch movies, and tell people what to watch. You get to say, hey, the two hours you're about to invest in that, that's garbage. You need to invest in this. I would love to do that. That would be like my own domain, my own kingdom. When you walk in, you're going to leave changed, you know? You thought you knew? No, Matt knows what's best for you, and that would be great. The only thing, not a bad goal. It's good. It's a good position in life. The only thing is, if I pursued that, I would be homeless right now because Netflix took over, <laughs> crushed my blockbuster dream. Actually, there is one blockbuster left in Bend, Oregon. So I would either be homeless or in Bend, Oregon. That may be the same thing. I'm not sure. But that's, oh, hey, sorry, sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. But, but when it comes to our position, what we're working for in life, and, and these can be good things, these are very good things. You know, I, I wanna be successful. I want to uh, achieve goals. I want to defy the odds. Like that's the title that I'm looking for. And this is great. But what I wanna look at is, if the Bible says that God created us for a purpose, how does our position line up with that? Is it used, is it not? Like what does that look like? And so what, I, what we're just gonna be asking ourselves during this time is, what position do we have how should our position change our purpose, and how do we live out that purpose? That's kind of the whole thing. Like, okay, if we do have uh, a position, what is that? And if we're going to serve out, is that what's that, what's that going to look like? Um, and, and yeah, how do I just live that out? And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're starting with verse 16, and it reads this. So from now on, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So human life is no longer just looking at it from a human point of view, a worldly point of view, okay? Um, Though we once regarded Christ in the same way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Oh, sorry, I read all that without you guys. There you go. Um, So what position do we have based on what Paul is saying here? What position do we have? And he's saying the position that you have is not to view things from a worldly point of view because Jesus is on the scene. There's something about this person. Now, Paul, the author of this, it would be interesting. In verse 16, he says, um, though we once regarded Christ in this way, why did Paul say the word Christ? Well, because that's a title. That's a position. He didn't use the name of Jesus because there was no relationship between him and Jesus at that time. Because for Paul, his life was all about position, whether that be culturally, academically, wh- whatever that be, his position, that is what he was about. And so when he hears of Jesus coming on, and he hears about these followers, Christians following him, he's interested about the title. Well, what's happening? What are you doing that's different? And whatever his motivation would be, whether that was religious or the law or whatever it was, he wanted to correct that. And his job was to put a stop of this. Why? Because he was in pursuit of a temporal ruler, of a Christ. He was just in pursuit of a temporal title. Oh, that title's not going to stand. But when he met Jesus, he saw that it wasn't just a title. He was actually Messiah. Messiah he realized that he was not just dealing with flesh and blood. He was actually dealing with a king of a kingdom that he could not wrap his head around, a kingdom that he could not create his own, a spiritual kingdom, something much bigger than himself. His life now had a definition that he couldn't define because this leader, Jesus, the Christ, he's saying that there's actually a purpose to life. And he told Paul to stop killing people stop killing Christians he's like stop it because that's not what you were made for now Paul has to wrestle with this and the answer that he was looking for in his life was not found in position but it was actually found in purpose why Jesus Christ made him spoke with him interacted with him and I wonder for us whether we believe in God or not here today well, how does our life purpose kind of line up with Paul's a little bit? How, how does it line up? And I think, you know, like here's, here's the simple way. I know each life is different. Uh, each life is unique. <coughs> excuse me. Um, but when you, excuse me, uh, but how do we view, how do we view life? And maybe, maybe this sounds familiar to you. You're born, you make life with the resources that you're given. You survive, you get education if possible, you excel, you find something that you're good at, you pursue what you're good at, uh, or at least you find a job that can support those interests and what you're good at. Um, You give where you can, you take care of yourself, possibly others, maybe you get a family, maybe you take care of those that aren't in your family, you extend yourself to them. Uh, Maybe the goal is to leave a legacy, which is fantastic. You get to leave something behind for others that wasn't the question. Have you ever stopped and asked the question, not what is your goal, but what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of this life? What is it? Now, this is something that Matt did not just come up on his own. I'm not that smart. And if you look at, um, this has been going on forever. And there are great thinkers that think of these things. Uh, Stop and say, Yeah, what is this about? And so I didn't have that much time to think about it this week. So I went to the great thinkers. I went to Huxley, Tolstoy, Voltaire, Shakespeare, and Jesus Christ. He made the list. And so I went into that and looking like, yeah, what is life about? And all of these great thinkers, they all have one message in common when it comes to life. They know that the average person is so busy at both work and play that sometimes we're afraid to ask what our life is really about. We try to make something for ourselves, but we don't really want to answer the question, well, what is it about? Um, You know, when we're asked in our life, like, what what answers do we get? Have you ever gone to a job interview, and somebody says, why do you want this job? I mean, think about that. Uh, Money? Or, Or like a student. You know, like, have you asked your question, like, why why am I doing this again? Why, why am I here? Um, my wife and I will do premarital sometimes uh, with couples. And the first question we always start with is, why do you want to get married? Dead silent. They look at each other and go, I, you say it. No, you you say it. Like, <laughs> well, someone's got to say it, you know. You got to tell us, what's the purpose of this? And so here, it, so I wanted to ask these, you know, look at the great thinkers and say, like, What is, what is life about? Why do we exist? And so Tolstoy, Tolstoy has this quote. Um, When he was 50 years old, now at Tolstoy's life, things were good. He had great position, uh, he had fame, he had popularity, he had influence, he had wealth, everything was going great for him. But then he has this kind of breakdown, okay? Not a crazy breakdown or anything, but just this revelation like, "Wait, wait, wait, everything's going so good, But what is it for? And he says this to the question, uh, what is life about? The question brought me to the edge of the abyss. That's interesting. Brought me to the edge of the abyss, just staring down when I was 50 years old. What will come of what I do today and tomorrow? What will come of my entire life? To put it another way, is there any meaning in my life that won't be destroyed by my inevitably approaching death? inevitable approaching death my deeds whatever they may be will be forgotten sooner or later and I myself will be no more so why do anything I therefore would not attach a rational meaning to a single act of my entire life the only thing that amazed me was that how I failed to recognize this from the beginning how can anyone fail to see this that is what's amazing. I'm still quoting Tolstoy. Okay, this isn't Matt's confession, um, but what he's saying here is like, how can not how can anyone not see that life is meaningless? And, and he continues here. Um, I don't have it on the screen, but he says it's possible to live as long as you as long as life intoxicates us, meaning um, just basically provides an illusion. But once we are sober, we cannot help seeing life for what it really is. There's nothing funny about it at all. It's only cruel and stupid. (laughs) If life is all there is, then life is nothing because I will be forgotten. Wow. Welcome to church. I hope that wasn't too deep for you. Um, (coughs) But with that in mind, what's the reason of my life? what is the reason of my life, the position that I'm trying to get? And there are many answers to this question. Uh, Tim Keller, a pastor in New York, he says, you know, if the Titanic of your life is going down, so the big ship of your life, wherever you're hitting, if, if you know it's just going to go down, it's inevitable. It's going to go down. You have two options, hugging or mugging. (laughs) You can just hug it out with someone, hey, it's been good, it's been great, or you can say, hey, give me your money, give me, you know, and try to get whatever you can, but there's only two things that you can do, and it's hugging or mugging, because it's meaningless. There's nothing you can do outside of yourself. But Paul says, or excuse me, so the logic of Tolstoy and these great thinkers, um, if you want total freedom to do things your way, no matter what you achieve, what you earn, Whatever your name, whatever name you make for yourself, there just won't be meaning in your life. Really though? Because I could think of a lot of things to do if I'm free to do whatever I want. But they're saying there will always be someone better. There will always be a better thinker. Someone will come along and take what you've built so hard to leave behind, but you will be forgotten. And if that's the goal of life, to live, to do something well, and to be forgotten, Wow. There's just no meaning behind it, but Paul, what we're reading today. Um, how did I go? Oops, wrong. Sorry. Um, but Paul says this. He says actually, no one can live like that because life does have meaning through Jesus Christ, as we read earlier. We no longer see people and life as the world does anymore, and Paul is referring to the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ that's found in the Bible. And you see this on the first three pages of your Bible. So if you're new to a bot, uh, new to the Bible, start with the first three pages, and you get to see what life is all about. And it's this. On the first page, you have an incredible God who created everything that you see, and cre- uh, including you and including me. Um. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um. There is this unmade maker that created all things with a reason. Uh, It wasn't just an explosion, cosmos of life through a vacuum of nothingness. Basically, you weren't by chance. You were made by a purpose. You were made for a purpose. And you were made with a purpose. On page two, you have the most incredible relationship with this creator and others. Because that's what the creator is about. You will serve him and others. And it's a really beautiful thing. But on page three of the Bible, we messed that up. How? We lost our relationship because we wanted to be the center of the universe. We listened to another voice rather than the creator who created us with a purpose. We listened to another voice. So is that really your purpose? To depend on him for all things? Aren't you smart enough? Can't you achieve some things? Can't you figure it out? Maybe you could just do this life with him. Can't you do that? And what happens? We make ourselves king. We make ourselves the center of the universe. And what's going to happen with that? We're going to have self-loathing, depression, and a lot of mess. Why? Because life is not going to be what we thought it was since we're the center of the universe. Because we want to make our rights and wrongs. We want what's fair. We want what's best for us. And that's not how life is. Why? Because everyone else is trying to be the center of the universe at the same time. But what page two reminds us is, you were actually made for a much larger orbit than anything that you could ever imagine. You were made for a greater joy. You were made for a greater purpose. You were made for greater fulfillment. And if you even try, in page three, we're trying to get out of that because we want to be the center. But you know what? Because that's actually how you're made and hardwired, you were made for God. You were made to be in need and dependence on God. So whatever else you try to fill that void with, it's not going to go well for you. You, You're just going to have this constant struggle. And this is what the first three pages of the Bible teaches us about our life. And the rest of the Bible is this, in the rest of our passage, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So this God is bringing himself back to us through Jesus Christ because that's what we're made for. But he's also given us a purpose to say, you're going to do what I do. And that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore, uh, excuse me, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That's good news. That's great news. We don't have to do it. God took the place for us. He made him, Jesus, sin who knew no sin or who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Paul is saying this, based on your position of being a new creature, we are to live out the purposes that God has given us. That's the position that you have, that you don't have to remain old. You don't have to remain the center of your universe. You can come into God's. You can depend on God. And out of that, receive a purpose that is bigger than you. More powerful than you. More promising than anything we could create. To bring people to himself as he brought us to him. He did it. And our position is actually to live out his purpose. So... Um. Again, back to the line, your position, it needs a better purpose. Whatever the goal is, whatever you're striving for, your position needs a better purpose. Well, how should our position change our purpose? How should it? How does bringing people to God get lived out? Because I I don't know about you. I'm still thinking about myself. And God, you want me to be loved by you and then be like you. And go tell other people that seems really scary. That seems hard. To, well, how did you do it? How did you? Because you have all the title in the world, God. Like, isn't that kind of cheating? Like, you're king. You're creator. You can go and tell people what to do. But me, like, I'm supposed to do. Like, how did you do this? How did you do this? Well, He did this through His Son, Jesus Christ, God in flesh. And uh, as I was looking uh, this week, as I was uh, preparing for this, uh, I got distracted. And I went on Instagram, and I was looking at people's purposes and people's positions. Uh, I looked at mine as well. I'm like, oh, man, only that many followers? Okay, get it together, Matt. And we just kept, or I kept looking and looking, and then I was like, you know what? I wonder, what would would Jesus' account look like? Like if he, you know, to live out this purpose... Like, if he had a social media presence, what would that look like? So, I had some fun. I hope I don't get in trouble with this. But, could you imagine if after a miracle, Jesus posted about it, okay? And here's what the post looks like. So, this is Peter walking on water. And, Son of God says, Had the privilege of walking on water with this guy today. When the storm of life gets hard, you just have to defy the odds. Take the first step. Like, isn't that nice? Oh, liked by Yeah Boy Pete. So, good. (laughs) Here's the feeding of the 5,000. So blessed to feed 5,000 people today. Actually, there were more people if you count the women and children. (laughs) Hashtag who's hungry. Like, okay, so this is good. How about the washing of the disciples' feet? These feet need a serious cleaning. Once in a while, you just got to roll up your sleeve and get dirty. Now... Again, this, what if he was leading out of position? Would it look like that? Would it look like humble brags? What would it look like? I think it would look like this. It would just be quotes from the Father. Be strong and bold. Have no fear of dread of them, because it is the Lord your God who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Next. Next. You are my hiding place, God. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And finally, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And Jesus suffered. He suffered. But he didn't just lead out of position. He led out of the purpose from God. Um, Out of submission to the Father. And as people... We can tend to operate out of our position, our title, what we're trying to achieve rather than our purpose. Now, I mean, we do our best, right? We, we give up a week for camp. We give donations where we can and when we have it. Uh, we join relief efforts and mission trips. These are all fantastic things. But sometimes what can happen is our service, our volunteerism, can become more of a checklist rather than a lifestyle. I mean, don't get me wrong. We love serving. Love how it makes us feel. We love to give our time and to help in that way. But sometimes it's like, I love to serve. Just don't confuse me with a servant. Like, I'm not going to do this all the time. (laughs) I'm going to do it when I can and at my, you know, uh, when I can. But how, or at my convenience. But how did Jesus do this? In Mark chapter 1, you see this. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, the leper's saying this, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, other translation says compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. And immediately the leprosy left and he was made clean. Perfect leadership is fully seen and effective when it's lived out of servanthood. Jesus didn't live out of the title. He lived out of faith in the Father. Um, you know, one way that I get to see this in this life is our D-group leaders meeting. I absolutely love these moments. We've had two so far, and we, we've done so much uh, or excuse me, our church has championed and encouraged leadership, because that's what's going to take to tell people about Jesus, to be a part of this purpose, to reconcile people back to God. it is going to take leaders. Okay, it is going to take those courageous conversations. It is going to take that step. And one thing that we're doing, and I love it, is our D-Group Leaders Meeting, where we get the leaders together, we encourage, we equip, and we empower. And we get to see them talk and just say, okay, how was this past month when you had this conversation with someone? um, When you ask them, hey, what is your purpose? Hey, how are you living? What is your life about? Like having those questions, doing life with people, that is not easy. But when we come together and we see this is all we got, it's Jesus. It's the purpose. Um, I absolutely love that because living out of servanthood, these people aren't doing this to be popular. (laughs) These people are doing it. Why? Because they're God ask them to. That's the purpose. And living out of servanthood is why we are able um, to do anything, even the worship service that we have. Without our volunteers, this would not happen. And I am so thankful for our volunteers who come, uh, the setup team, who come early in the morning, who sacrifice sleep and say, yeah, we're going to be doing this instead. Our connections people, who they don't just tell you uh, where the washroom is or where to go seat. No, they try to connect you with communities and with D groups, and they try uh, to get you on to this purpose. Um, Loretto, who makes coffee, um, have you enjoyed the coffee? He rewired his kitchen so that he could put an industrial coffee maker <laughs> so that you guys could have coffee every Sunday. And I asked them, I asked the volunteers, I'll ask them, why, why? Why do we do this? And the goal isn't to hit Jesus. The goal isn't, well, we're trying to lead people to Jesus. No. It's simply, we found Jesus. He has brought us to himself. And this is the purpose. As he loved us, we're going to love others. And so we're not here just to do a good job, because we don't want to be dependent on volunteers. We want to be dependent on God. What does he have for us in this place? What does he have for us in your workspaces, in your families, in your lives? What does he have for us there? And you might say, Matt, okay, that's great. That's great. I know I'm supposed to use my position for that way, you know, to, uh, to have a better purpose for my position. But, Matt, I'm busy, man. I've got a lot on my plate. I'm a boss. Uh, I'm an employer. I'm an employee. I'm a student. I'm a parent. I'm a single parent. I've got lots to do. That is my position. But what about Jesus' plate? How full was that plate? And he had every title in the world: Son of God, Messiah, but what did He do? He laid it down for us. He believed in God. That, his, that God's ways, the Father's ways, were better. And he believed in God so that he could be compassionate. On our own compassion and serving, it's overwhelming. It absolutely is. But if my position is more important than my service, then has God really poured his heart into mine? That's the question. Am I just trying to, in my position, get to God? So God, once I graduate school, get smarter than my friends. Once I get the job that I'm looking for, get the resources I want, maybe meet that special person. We have a family, get the house. Cool. Now, my life is yours it's all yours let me just get that position first and then I'll give it to you but it doesn't work like that because at that point you're not working for his purpose anymore you're working for his purpose you know people will ask me like Matt what's the purpose for my life well those who believe in God and those who don't and it comes down to this I'm like well the purpose of your life is to serve God they don't like that very much <laughs> like what just to serve God? I'm like But but think about this, because people have told me when they feel God, it's usually when they're serving. Because, I mean, just by definition, a God who served us, where are we going to find this God? We're going to find him in service, because that's just what he does. That's how he reconciles. And so when we are following him in faith and we serve the way that he serves, we're going to find him. But when are we going to find ourselves most distant is when we're waiting to be served we're going to be separated. We just will. Because that goes against his spirit of willingness and of service. And there's nothing wrong with saying I'm calling out the promises of God. Absolutely. But if you're waiting to be served just so you can serve, man, it doesn't work like that. He's already served. Just as Paul reminded us, you have already been reconciled. You're new. You're not depending on life that way anymore. You're depending on the purpose of God. God loves us, and He proved His love for us by sending Jesus to die for the forgiveness of our sins, so that we could be restored <clears throat> into a right relationship with God forever God's compassion care, compassionate care, is seen through His work of reconciliation. We have a choice with what we do with this good news. We can choose to keep it to ourselves, sit back until we die or go. uh, Yeah, sit back until we die and go be in God's presence forever. Um, But then we would be disobedient to the assignment that God has given us as followers of Christ. We are called and equipped by him to be ambassadors to the world. That's the purpose. Representing the good news of Jesus to every person we meet uh, in word and deed. If you don't mind, I can, uh, excuse me, I was looking at the wrong person. The worship team can come up at this time. And as we conclude, I started with the sentence, your position needs a bigger purpose. When I was, uh, when I was in school in Boston, Massachusetts, um, there, excuse me, <coughs> uh, there was a museum in Nantucket. And this museum was uh, to honor those who saved lives. Uh, and it was called the Humane Society. Now, we think of animals and pets and stuff like that. But uh, actually, 300 years ago, it went on for hundreds of years, um, uh, for decades. Yeah, whatever, one of those. Yeah, for 300 years. Um, <laughs> Ten, right? For 300 years, what would happen is during those times, a lot of ships would just sink. And people would die before they reach to the shoreline. And maybe they were just off by 100 yards, uh, by a mile, something like that. And the people of the town said, not on our watch. We can't let that happen. We want to go into the life-saving business. And so what they did is they called themselves the Humane Society for no pay, no recognition. They just wanted lives saved. And so they would build these huts called Huts of Refuge. Isn't that a great name? And they would be there seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Someone would be in these huts all along the shoreline. And there were boats ready. And when they saw a ship go down, they'd send out a boat. They took this so seriously that they had a motto. And the motto was this. You can go out, but you don't have to come back. Okay, That's a big one. But they would sit there waiting. Because they wanted to save lives. That was their purpose. That was the purpose of the town. But then what happened was the government got involved. They saw, wow, this is great. There's actually a big need for this. So we're going to send resources and people. And it actually eventually became the Coast Guard. So the Coast Guard came from the Humane Society. Now, what happened was the Humane Society, they stopped uh, manning the huts. They stopped manning the boats. Why? because the professionals are doing it. They can save the lives now. And if you look at that, that can kind of feel kind of sad because they had this purpose. It wasn't boring, they went out for it. you can go out but you don't have to come back. Like they were determined. But here's the thing, they still meet to this very day. The Humane Society is still an organization and they meet every, you know, uh, so months in uh, the New England area. They get together, they have dinners, and they just remember that they used to save lives. Isn't that interesting? They don't want to keep saving lives. They just remember, hey, remember when our grandparents did this? Hey, remember? And they still give donations and stuff like that, but they have left the life-saving business. And I wonder, can that happen to us? When we read this, 2 Corinthians 5, that hey, God is so in love with you, that he brought you back to him, the purpose you're looking for. And the way that you're gonna find this purpose is just imitating the one who brought you back. And to go out and to tell people, to go out and to live life with these people, and to just point to a bigger purpose. Some of us have fantastic positions, amazing positions. So did Jesus. What did he do with that position? He gave it to the Father for a bigger purpose. So what does that look like? Sometimes we, we just leave this to the professionals. We go, oh, we'll do it. Or, you know, they'll do it. Uh, here, I'll give you a podcast or I'll give you this. And, you know, listen to this. It'll change your life. But what if you could speak into someone's life because God spoke into your life? If you could bow your heads, close your eyes. We're just going to respond in prayer. And then I'm going to invite Sam up to introduce ministry time. Heavenly Father, we come before you now. God, you have given us a purpose. And this purpose is bigger than any position, than any title, than any dream we could have for our life because it comes from the one who gave us life. And so God, I pray that you'd be with us. And this is a big thing to ask, to say, hey guys, let's be in the life-saving business. Because sometimes we say, ah, we don't want to interfere with other people's lives. We don't want to be rude. We don't want to do this. But God, if we realize what life truly is, if we not look from a worldly point of view, but look from a heavenly father point of view, these are children that need their dad. These are people that need to come back to a loving God. So God, how would you use us to be in the life-saving business this week? Maybe this is the first time we've heard of this purpose. Maybe this is the hundredth time we've heard of this. But God, in your unique way, as you have uniquely designed us, uniquely created us. We're all different, but we all have the same purpose. And it's to use what you have given us uniquely to point to you, the God who loves us. We love you and we thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.